everyone. Welcome to Vicious Cycle, the podcast about periods and the people who get them. I am your co-blost. <laughs> Second week in a row. <laughs> Meg Hayes. And I'm Meg Trowbridge. And I'm Kate Blelsblin. <laughs> <laughs> For those of you just tuning in, co-blost is co-bleeding host. We're ridiculous yeah, no, like that. It's, it's as absurd. I mean, I loved how you shook your head. You're like, co-bleeding blow host. And you're like, yeah. <laughs> sure. It's absurd. It's ridiculous. Um, Thank you for joining us. We're so excited that you're here. Today, we are jazzed to finally be sharing with you uh, the interview that we did with Nadia Okamoto. Uh, she is one of the most inspiring and impressive people I've ever spoken Probably. with. Probably. The most um, prolific 20-year-old I've ever talked to in my yeah, life. Yeah, she and is. Human. I think she's, did she say, I think she turned 21 right around the time that we yeah, interviewed like her or maybe a little bit after. Um, but yes, Nadia is an activist, author, superstar in the menstrual equity movement. When she was in high school, she co-founded Period, which is a, an organization of young activists across the U.S. united by the belief that menstrual care is a basic right. So she created the Period organization. They have chapters. Um, uh, in high schools and colleges all over the U.S. Uh, and on top of that, Nadia wrote a book while going to school at Harvard. She wrote Period Power, a manifesto for the menstrual movement. And I just have to say, this is a fantastic book for people who are new to bleeding, who, for people who used to bleed, for people who have, you know, had their period for a long time. Um, Nadia kind of covers anything you could ever imagine about periods. And if you are trying to raise a um, boy, like a cis boy, that uh, really just any kid that doesn't have to deal with this, but that you want to be educated on periods, this is a great book for them because it covers Nadia's first period story. It covers period products, their pros and cons and how to use them. She covers taboos, menstrual symptoms, period poverty, period policy, bleeding while trans, gender equality, intersectional feminism, and finally a call to action. So it's really anything that you could ever imagine um, about periods is in this book. She did a really good job of covering just about everything. Um, so we interviewed Nadia way back in December, which is crazy. Um, We've just been sitting on this interview. Yeah. yeah. And I've read this book over winter break, which was a lot of fun. I actually took a picture of myself reading this book at um, this really fancy library in Boston. I'm like, you know, that's right, people. <laughs> Just reading this book about periods because the front <laughs> cover is like period. Yeah, <laughs> It's awesome. Um, so, yeah, we because, you know, Nadia is incredibly busy and you know, does things like interview Hillary Clinton for which we talk about, which we talk about. Um, she's in high demand. We had just about 20 minutes with her. Um, but I think we covered a lot of information and uh, we're really excited yeah. for you to hear it. And disclaimer, our task cam recorder just crapped out towards the end of the interview. So it sounds kind of bad towards the end, but we were like baby interviewers at this yes. point. So it was like our first big interview. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So cut us some slack, people. Okay. Yeah. Bleep blow. She wasn't in the studio with us. We had, we had a lot going no, on. No, we did yeah. not catch her. Oh, and after Nadia's episode, we have collected a bunch of listener phone calls and we're going to listen and we're going to respond because we got a bunch of them. So stay tuned for that as well. 
we're excited for you to listen to this episode. Yeah. Um, so yeah, let's get to it. Let's do it. Get to know Nadia with us. Don't include that. <laughs> oh, I like that. <laughs> we are so excited to have her, Miss Nadia Okamoto. Thank you so much for having me. Um, so I wanted to first ask you, um, the, oh yes, of course. Um, when was the first day of your last period? <laughs> today. Oh! Yeah, I got it today. Oh. It's actually super interesting because I haven't gotten it for months because of my IUD. So oh. it's super new. And so I was actually really surprised and a little bit taken aback, but it explained a lot of the sort of cramps and um, unexpected nausea I had today. <laughs> well, um, on our podcast, when one of us is recording and bleeding, we call it blacording. So you're blacording. Oh, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> I hoped you would be blacording when we asked you that question. <laughs> is anyone else blacording today? I'm not. I am not. I am not either. I'm like a week away from. Ooh, I recording. should be. I don't know why I'm not. Maybe I'm pregnant. <laughs> All right. Anyway, um, so I wanted to ask you. Uh, first off, the the book is so fantastic and it's so all-encompassing it truly has everything you could ever want to know about periods um how how much time did it take you to write it and what was the research like um that you had to do before you started writing so I wrote it in one month oh my are God. you kidding I me it, I wrote it in January oh but I had done the research sort of like over the course of a month or two yeah Wow. Yeah. So I actually, I got signed by Simon and Schuster like last fall. And by the time we'd finalized our contract together, like I had a month and a half to write the book and it was really a sprint. Wow. Okay. So when did you go on leave at Harvard? Were you still in school when you were writing? Yeah. So I was completely still in school um, until this past May. Um, And then I, uh, I'm now on a leave of absence. Wow. You are more impressive than any of us. Cool, good <laughs> job. <laughs> You're amazing. I Thank mean, you. The bibliography alone is like 30 pages. Were those all books that you had read before? Were those books that you like? It was a lot of like searching online, doing work online. Um, but, but yeah, I, I mean, I did a lot of, you know, work on the Harvard database, like just going through the library materials. I mean, you might as well just submit this as your senior thesis. Oh, I wish. Trust me. I asked. (laughs) I was like, they should just give you a doctorate. You're already published. It's fine. (laughs) You're a doctor of menstruation. It's fine. (laughs) A period doctor. Yeah, a period doctor. (laughs) Um, So... Gosh, where to begin? I mean, just tell us, give us a quick like overview of the book. So for people that have never heard of it, how would you sell the book to to our who we call our listeners, our bleeding <laughs> listeners? I mean, I guess I think how I would explain it is to first explain why I wrote the book. Um, I really wanted to write this book to sort of put out there that the menstrual movement is not just a bunch of students doing this for fun, but this is a real integral part um, of the fight for gender equality globally, right? And I think that what was really inspiring to me when studying feminism was looking at these manifesto texts, like the Vindication on the Rights of Women in the 18th Century, or more recently, like the Riot Girl Manifesto and the Red Stocking Manifesto of the 1960s women's movement, like right before, like right around the second wave feminism coming out 
And for me, when I we were talking to publishers, I started to, I originally signed with my literary agent actually to write a memoir. Um, so this book is actually a little bit memoir. Um, but I, what, I, what kept coming up was this idea of, it is so timely, that fourth wave feminism that's all about intersectionality is starting to come to light more, right? And the menstrual movement is really something that's timely and being talked about and that needs to be addressed right now. And I think that still today, you know, books are not, we our world has not outgrown books even in this digital age. So <laughs> I think that for me, I really saw writing a book as sort of a way that I could send the message message to the world that this menstrual movement is here. It's, it, uh, you can't ignore it. And it's time that we all pay attention to it. So in the book, you talk about how, I think it was 2015 was called the year of the period. I had never heard that before. What were some of the things that happened in 2015? Well, so the year of the period was started becoming like a slogan that was used about 2015 in mainstream media. So it was the first time that people um, started writing about periods more frequently in um, in mainstream media. So it got a cover story in Newsweek and it got written about in the New York Times. And, you know, I mean, like period, periods are not like a new phenomenon. 2015 was sort of the first time that people were talking about breaking the stigma around periods and period poverty in mainstream media and NPR named it um, called it year of the period as well and that was sort of literally a month after I got into this work yeah I was gonna say that's around the time that you started the organization right yeah so I started the organization in December 2014 I mean you know it was just being really run by a lot of uh, a lot of passion um, not a lot of direction I started it with another 16 year old classmate um, and we had no idea what we were doing, but we sort of just promised each other we were going to, you know, go for it boldly. And through Google searches, we figured out how to start the nonprofit, how to register it, how to file for 501c3, like all through Google. Um, and that's kind of how we came to be. Young people will save us all. Yeah. <laughs> that is the truth. You're making me like the Internet right now. <laughs> I'm a big fan of Internet and social media. Um, so... The reason why you kind of started this organization, and did you start the organization at your high school and then it expanded from there? I started it with a group of friends and then our first chapter was at my high school. Okay. And the reason why you did that is kind of based on um, your experience in high school, uh, interacting with a lot of homeless women and homeless menstruators who didn't have access to menstrual products. So was, was the main focus when you started to raise um, money and donations? Was it education or has it always been kind of a mix of the two? So the main focus first and foremost was simply getting period products to people who need them. All we did was collect money or collect period products to get to people in need. There was no focus on education or changing the conversation or breaking the stigma or even passing policy. And now we have those three pillars of service, education, and policy. Got it. What's yeah, what in your experience with working in, and being with women in poverty, what's what's a menstrual cycle like for someone in poverty? I mean, the, so the stories that really got me that um, that pulled me into this activism work were these stories of people using socks, toilet paper, brown paper, grocery bags and, um, you know, anything to cotton balls and cardboard to take care of their period. That's crazy. Cotton cardboard. Yeah. And that was something that I actually came across like more than once as well. Wow. I mean, I think we talk about like those days when you forget your pad and you have to like, you know, be on, on the fly, be creative about it. But to think like for so many people, that's their norm. Yeah, yeah exactly. 
Do people, are people often surprised when you tell them this? Because like, I think for me, it's just like, it is like, luckily, unfortunately for me, it is like a second nature. You just reach under the cabinet and you have tampons. I don't think that people are surprised more. So I think that it's a wake up call of realizing like how privileged they are. Mm-hmm. Right. And like, that's something I had too, is like, even when my family was, you know, struggling with housing stability at the time, it was a huge privilege check for me. Right. Um, because I think that like, yes, it sounds crazy to use cardboard and, and paper towels found in toilet paper, but like, can you imagine getting your period in a scenario where you didn't have access to period products and then you didn't have access to a clean bathroom or a clean pair of underwear and um, you didn't know when you were going to have that next, right? And like, I think that then I think people aren't as surprised when I tell them that people have to use those things because it's, because I think that all menstruators can relate to the experience of getting your period unexpectedly. 100%. Yeah, absolutely. It does not change with age. Just saying yeah. that. Yeah. Is, yeah, we're we're all in our 30s and we're we still forget that we get periods. Yeah. <laughs> um so I found it interesting too that you that talking with kind of all of the people that you've talked to about periods we all kind of have in common that we've been raised to view it as a taboo like when you were having conversations with homeless women on your daily commute to high school it was like they were in hushed tones like it it kind of is universal that we're all tied together by this taboo yeah of course and I think like that's something that is what keeps me going um is like no matter how many um like no matter how many time how much I get tired by this work or anything like every day someone is able to reach out and be like this affected me in this way because no matter who you are where you're from what religion you are what your identity is like you will get a period if you were assigned female at birth talk about um how your mom handled your period because she sounded pretty great about it she was very open with you about uh talking to you and educating you about your period yeah so um my mom was just always honestly maybe even more open than she should have been about (laughs) periods and sex and bodies um I think that she was always very supportive of my um you know asking questions and wanting to do more um and I think that a lot of that has sort of contributed to my now loving to you know stir people up and create reactions and try to convince people and change the way they think about periods um or things like sex and I think that that's been a big part of like who I've been since growing up very cool did your mom have a have a euphemism that she liked to use or was she no she she was literally she would call it periods or menstruation what's the weirdest euphemism you feel like you've heard um so I've always I've always found strawberry week really weird. <laughs> yeah. just be, And that's actually a pretty common one that I hear as well. I think strawberry week and shark week, yeah. The young kids, like, do you, because you're a lot younger than us, is there, like, a thing that, like, your generation says? Um, I think less so. Uh-huh. Um, I think that euphemisms were much more, you know, prevalent um, before our sort of being used right now. Yeah, that's cool. Which is, that's great. Actually. Good. Yeah. yeah. I was just thinking maybe like the young kids these days say something about like a Snapchat filter or something. Like, <laughs> I have the Snapchat. I have Instagram chroma. <laughs> wow, Kate, you're very youthful. I am the youth. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to talk 
talk about when you ran for city council. I was actually just visiting um, Boston and walked through Harvard. It was very lovely um, and spent some time in Meg, Cambridge. Did you, did you go to Harvard? I, I <laughs> Yeah, I did for about 45 minutes. <laughs> um, so wait, were you a freshman or sophomore when you ran for city council? I was, in fact, a freshman, yes. So Nadia wasn't really challenged enough by all that Harvard had to give to her. <laughs> she felt like she really needed to take on more. Um, so you ran for city council at age 19. Uh, and you, uh, right after you kind of started your, your campaign, did not get your period for nine months. Yeah, um, no, literally from March to the day after the election, I didn't. And like, I remember going to the doctor and I was like, is there like, what's going on? Because I mean, as period girl, you really learn to love to have your period. And like the only response they had was like, you know, it's honestly, you're just stressed out. And there's a lot of exercise because I was like going to the gym and then canvassing miles a day every day. Right. I think that's just your period's way of being like, listen, girl, we're good. Take a break. I'll come back when you need me. <laughs> yeah. And that's sort of something that I talk about in the book as well. Of Like, it's like your penis can be cool for like telling you more about your body. And it's something right. you should listen to. And there's, you know, so much that you can learn from, you know, so being wanting that education is really important. So if you had won city council, what were some of the things that you were excited to tackle in terms of the menstrual movement? I, I wasn't too focused on the menstrual movement because Cambridge is actually an incredible place where they have period products and available in most of the public schools, um, thanks to school, a school board member, Monika Bowman. Um, but for me, I think one of the things I was really passionate about was getting period products on all the college campuses. Um, and then as well, looking into subsidizing it for homeless shelters as well. When you talk about that stuff, when you were like talking to neighbors and whatever, what's the reaction you would get from people, especially like non-bleeders? Well, so I wouldn't, I didn't run on a platform focused on period poverty. I ran on a platform focused on housing affordability. Um, so I actually didn't get that many reactions to it in talking about what I was legislating on or wanted to, but I would actually get more reactions to it when people would say, you look young, like how old are you? And I would say 20 and then they would laugh and then they would say like, what makes you qualified? And then I would talk about period and that's when menstruation would come up in the conversation. And were, are people like in general, like, I, like I said, like older people and non-bleeders, like how do they take this? Honestly, I think that for the most part, when I was campaigning, especially like the older men were actually a lot more understanding than a lot of the women, because for them, it was less personal. It was like their reaction was like, great that you're doing this for women. Right. But when I talked to women, especially women who might be a little bit more socially conservative, um, the reaction was more like, like they felt personally intruded on because I was talking about something that they experience, Right. And so yeah. that's why I actually like people often ask me like how I can get guys involved. And I, I actually find it sometimes less challenging than getting girls involved. Or I would say like menstruating female identifying girls, just because I think that for them, it's a personal thing that they have to overcome. Interesting. That is super. I mean, it is a really personal experience. I can imagine women have learned for so long to, not talk about it it would be shocking to then hear that people are talking about it um what do you think is the most exciting development in this movement right now what are you most excited about um I think I'm most excited about all of the energy around period policy right so we're looking at like more talk around um the tampon tax and things happening at the federal level of getting period products for women experiencing poverty. And I think I'm really excited about how the policy lens is going to help create more long-term change. Um, and I'm really a huge believer that the best way to 
you know, catalyze systemic change is to change the system itself. And I think that that's really going to happen over the next few years. Yeah. Have you been in touch with any legislators? We've talked briefly about Grace Mang, I think, and yeah. Congresswoman Maloney. Have you Grace Mang and um, Assemblywoman Linda Rosenthal is the one who really helped push forward um, getting or getting rid of the Tampon tax in New York. Um, and she's been really amazing in terms of advocating for period equity on social media. And so I think that definitely Assemblywoman Rosenthal is someone to watch out for. And she'll be at our global conference later this month. Yay! Is that PeriodCon? Yes, PeriodCon. Yay! Why don't you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so PeriodCon is our um, it is our global conference. It's basically two full days of conference programming. So workshops, panels, and keynotes, and we'll have a few hundred chapter leaders join us from around the country. So exciting. Cool. Yeah, we're super excited for it. Um, and you guys should definitely join if you want to. I, I we mean, would love yeah. to maybe next maybe next year yeah. when we have our crap together a little we would better. absolutely <laughs> love to we can just go around and ask everyone what was the first day of their last period i know yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um so you your kind of main uh point in this book is to just get people talking about periods but you also kind of go on beyond that so once we've established like as supporters of the menstrual movement once we've established talking about periods and demystifying and breaking down the taboo what do you feel like are the next steps after that um I think it really is you know demanding change in terms of period policy or just doing simple acts like collecting period products and getting people to to getting them to people who need them um or anything of the sorts what do you think is the most important policy on a federal level that would address this inequity in the U.S. Because I, one thing I was surprised that some food stamps don't, uh, pat, or menstrual products don't qualify in some food stamps. Yeah, uh, I mean, that would be my first answer to help uh, helping alleviate period poverty is, you know, making sure that programs that support people who are experiencing poverty cover period products as a necessity. Unfortunately, you know, the Trump administration just really cut back on food stamps as an overall program. So it's it's hard to find solutions when that sort of foundational how you support people experiencing poverty is not there anymore. So I think like there's a lot of work to be done. And I think that's why over the next year, I'm really hoping to do more work around the tampon tax, because I think that will send the message that period products are not a luxury, but they're an essential good. Let's talk briefly about your interview with uh, Secretary Clinton. Running for office is the most terrifying experience I've ever put myself on. Um, how do you stay close to your values, confident in yourself and your motives, and avoid the superficial claims um, upon you from what you're wearing to your hair and your makeup? Whoa, how much time do we have? <laughs> um, it's really important to just be true to yourself. Wear what you want to present to the voters, because that's who you are. And you will, you will be criticized no matter what you do. So just feel good about who you are and how you're presenting. I kind of adopted a uniform in a way because if you wear pretty much the same thing, and for me it was pants, suits, pants and jackets, after a while people get bored talking about it. How, what was that experience like? I mean, so I actually, that was a crazy experience. So that was, I was able to do that because I'm part of the 2017 class of Teen Vogue's 21 Under 21. Um, and so they chose five of us to do that interview, but they, we were able to walk in and they just said, ask her whatever you want. Like literally wow. here's a postcard, write down the questions you want to ask her. And that day I just, you know, I guess a few days before I was sort of thinking about what questions I would want to ask, you know, 
this hero of mine. Yeah. <laughs> it like was no small task, but I really kept going back to that, you know, that fact that like this woman is a major presidential candidate and she honestly has been interviewed more times than like anyone could ever count. Like right. who am I to ask her any question about her platform or um, her stances on this policy? And I was really thinking about like, okay, I'm, I, you know, I'm, a 19 year old running for office. I was currently running for office at that time. Um, oh, wow. And, and I was absolutely exhausted, feeling completely discouraged from like the, the pushback I was getting on social media from like internet trolls, but also from peers. And like, I was just so tired, like at the tail end of that campaign life. And I was just like, what would I want to ask? And what would I want to know as a young teenager and how could her answer be like relevant and I think that the reason I chose to ask this question of like how do you stay authentic even when there's so many voices around you was sort of like off that tone of like being a young 19 year old with political consultants in my ear every day telling me what I was doing wrong or how I was identifying was wrong um, and then also just wanting to ask her about authenticity which I think is something that's really important to young girls especially today and I thought it was so interesting that she said her pantsuits have become this uniform that that helped people to stop talking about her looks. I was like yeah. blown away by that answer. Yeah, we, and I think that no, it's so true because it's it's unfair, right? Like the fact yeah. that a woman needs needs that uniform so they don't talk about it. Um, but I, so I thought it was really interesting. But actually, what I gained from that call that that interview was really like that idea of if you want them to focus on your work, focus on your work and then just get people to, you know, acknowledge you for that. And I think that that's right. something I still hold true to myself now. Should we do those three questions before our we... silly questions? Yeah, our silly of questions. Course. Okay. So, um, well, first of all, do you have any like other like final thoughts just about like the menstrual movement or anything that you want to say, Nadia? Before we I give would you just three. encourage people, anyone who wants to get involved to please feel free to, you know, follow up and ask questions and get involved. You can just find more information or start a chapter at period.org or send me a DM on at Nadia Okamoto on Instagram. Awesome. Cool. Okay. So three silly questions. Um, number one, this is what we ask all of our guests. Um, if your period could drink, what would it drink? Um, I think it would drink, you know, carbs can you drink carbs <laughs> i just i'm thinking of like what i really love to eat when i'm, when I'm hungry like so just white shake. bread and pasta <laughs> okay so sorry listeners we lost our good audio so sorry if our audio sounds all different now um but the next question is um if your period had a patronus what would it be like from harry potter a dragon like the dragon from shrek very specific type of dragon. Great. I love yeah. that. Final question. Um, what political party does your period affiliate with? Dems. No <laughs> way. Okay. Yeah. okay. Cool. Sadly, our periods don't align with our actual political affiliation. Yeah. <laughs> My period's pretty lazy. Yeah, we've got some rogue periods at this table. Um well, Nadia, it has been such a joy to speak with you. Your book is really, really incredible. I think Thank you. anyone should buy it. Like, I really want to buy it for all, like, teenage girls in my life. But honestly, as three adult women, like, there's still so much more for us to learn because none of us were really given the proper education that we deserved about menstruation. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Um, and I feel like your book just encompasses like truly everything. Well, I'm uh, so glad to hear that. Thank you so much for reading. Thank, yeah. Well, thank you. Thanks for taking the time. We had so much fun. Bye. 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 Okay, so she's like the most impressive person I've ever met she in my is. entire life. Are you kidding me? She let's list off her accomplishments. Oh, I mean, ugh, she went I to Harvard. Read it. Published author. City run for city council. Is now taking time off from Harvard because her speaking engagements were becoming too overwhelming. So she's, she's like, amazing. "Hold on, Harvard, I have to run my organization." So, (laughs) so period, which is the name of her organization is now the largest youth run NGO in women's health and one of the fastest growing ones in the U S come on. That's so impressive. I'm so glad we got to talk to her. I know know. she's such a shining bright light of inspiration. <laughs> I was like trying. I was what gonna, was I trying to say? <laughs> I was about light. to jump in there, and then you just kept, kept going, shining, shining bright, bright light, light of, of, of inspiration and, and humanity. <laughs> but <laughs> um, the thing that uh, uplifts me the most is um, I read an article with her, like an interview with her, and she talked about her first organization she started, which was, I think like camions of care. Yeah. Um, it's That's basically what period yeah. is. It started as a uh, camions of care. Cause it's a word for truck. And they mm. were basically just delivering period products. Mm. But at the time, I think everyone was really uncomfortable with calling it period. Like yeah. right. everyone was. Yeah. Well, so I'm, it, I'm uncomfortable calling it camion. Cause yeah. what the hell's a camion? <laughs> right, I know. I know. But anyway, what were you saying? Well, so what like touches me is that when she was thinking about, like stepping away or like going to college and like what would happen if, you know, the organization had to stop. It's like, then people stop getting tampons. You know, she was like, there, it, it's like a drop in the bucket. It feels like. So then she was inspired to be a part of like the legislation. Yeah. And that's, I think what sparked her to run. And I was like, I love that there are young people who aren't just like, you know, uninspired by the fact that like the work they do might not be, enough yeah yeah and instead she's deciding to run where i think a lot of people are like what can i do i'm just not even gonna vote you know she's so i just love that so much as a single person and she co-founded it with another friend of hers um no they they have done so much incredible work they're at 250 schools in the u.s colleges and and high schools um yeah she's just a wonderful person and truly this book covers everything um it's a really wonderful book and i would suggest it to anyone that wants to know more about periods um yeah cool awesome 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 great now that we've all been inspired we thought we'd bring it back to what this is all about we're gonna hear from our listeners so we've got some phone calls that we're gonna play for you hey meg what's that number if they want to call the hotline oh glad you asked it's 9106 uterus 9106 uterus tell us how you bleed like us at 9106 uterus we've got a couple here that are in response to the ectopic pregnancy episode um so we'll play those for you now Hey guys, so I just listened and cried all morning to your last um, episode. I went through a miscarriage in November, and 
it is such a lonely feeling. Like, you know people have them, but I kind of feel like you don't, you don't find out that they had them until they have, like, a baby. You know, so it's like, oh, it's a rainbow baby, and then they can talk about a miscarriage. But you don't know a whole lot of people that had a miscarriage and don't have any other kids. I'm sorry, I'm going to get it together. It's like a continuous cycle. Like, you never fully get over it. It's, like, so weird. And then my doctors were like, shit, I'm really got to, I got to find a new doctor before I get pregnant again. Because I went, I had a miscarriage before my first appointment. So, like, right at, like, six, seven weeks, went to the doctor. The nurse comes in, and she's like, this is all the paperwork for what you can't eat. This is all the medicine that you can't take. How do you feel? Do you have morning sickness? And I was just like, no. And my husband was there with me. And when she walked out, he looked at me, and it was like, she doesn't know. Like all weekend we were dealing with this and calling the phone call doctor and getting blood work and I walked into the doctor's office and like he didn't hear any information. Oh God, sorry. Every time I went to get the blood work, the person taking my blood is like, Oh, how far along are you? So I'm like, I'm not <laughs> Um But it's been better. I started talking to a therapist, that got better. And I'm, like, way more vocal about it now. Like, I'm not holding it back. I'm not going to hide it from people. But anyway, thanks. That was an awesome episode, and it really helped you out. Bye. I love that call so much, and I feel like it's so, like, I hear it a lot now from other people who have had miscarriages and who have had issues with doctors. It's, like, one of the hardest things is, like, not feeling supported by your doctor or feeling like they're just as baffled as you are and you're just like so so no one knows anything like it's it's, so it's it's comforting and also infuriating to hear that she also had such a hard time (sighs) yeah (sighs) also it reminded me of uh I don't I can't I don't think I told this story on the pod but um one of the days um that I had to go in and get blood work um this was like a couple weeks in and, um, my work was having a happy hour. One of our interns was leaving. And so we all went and I got a drink and I got like a stiff drink cause I was having <laughs> a miscarriage. And so I had like a, like a tall whiskey. And as I'm finishing it, people are like, you should come to Oakland. We're having like a cool party in Oakland. And I'm like, oh yeah, that's, oh no, no, no. I have to, oh shoot. I have to go give blood. I have to go like get a blood lab as I'm like finishing this whiskey. And they're like, <laughs> aren't you not supposed to have, and I was like, yeah, I don't think I was supposed to have this. Um, anywho. So then I go and I talk to the, the phlebotomist and, uh, and I was like, so I don't know like if you'll see this, but like I had a drink. Um, and like, I don't know if that means I shouldn't like give blood today. And she's like, this is for the pregnancy hormone. And I'm like, yes, but it's not, it's not what you think. It is. <laughs> and then she was so cute. She was like, oh, no, I get it. Please. I, I don't take that stuff seriously either. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I was like, thanks. This is a mess. But thanks. Oh, man. Oh, my God. Were you, like, drunk there, too? You're like, listen, <laughs> well, it's okay. not a big so, deal. But I had a drink. Do you want some? I have some. I have some more. <laughs> oh, my God. Thank you, caller. Thank, Thank you, caller. caller. Okay. And here's another call. Hi, Vicious Cycle ladies. I've just finished listening to the latest episode about ectopic pregnancy. Oh, my goodness. And I knew that this topic was coming, and I still was not prepared for how incredibly moved I was by the honest discussion. And um, I just wanted to thank you 
so much for talking so openly about something that I'm sure was so difficult. Um, I personally haven't gone through an ectopic pregnancy, but I have miscarried, and it's it's really difficult to talk about. But one day I was sitting with a couple of friends, and I mentioned that I had miscarried, and literally both of the other girls in the room with me said that they had as well. And it was only in that moment that I realized how common it is and how not shameful it is. Um, so thank you, Meg, and, and to the whole podcast. You guys are incredible. Um, I did want to shame you, though, for your song because I really think that you missed out on a great opportunity. Um, so I'm going to reach, like, way down into my vagina and my contra alto uh, to try and sing my take on Paint It Black, uh, which is not the doors, maybe Rolling Stones, nobody knows. Anyway, <clears throat> Ectopic pregnancy has Meg T bleeding black. Most times it's brown, not red, but this time it was black. Goddamn those Kaiser ducks don't ask what the medicine's for. Meg's wearing hospital pads until that embryo goes. Uh, sorry, that's the best I could do, um, but I did squeeze the word ectopic pregnancy in there, so I hope that satisfies your question. It doesn't have to rhyme if it's at the beginning. Anyway, love you, love you, love you so much. Um, thank you all so much. And special love to Meg T. Bye, Bye ladies. That was brilliant. Oh, my God. <laughs> yes. Good song choice. Too. Great oh, song God. choice. If you ever want to sing to us, please call oh, in. Yeah. Give us all your parody songs. <laughs> so good. Oh, that felt good, too. Oh, felt Has great. Has got Meg bleeding <laughs> black. <laughs> God damn those Kaiser doctors. It's such a good song because it's so like ominous, like yeah. bleeding black. <laughs> and that was an ominous photo. Yep. We all it saw was. it. It shook Meg. <laughs> <laughs> oh cool. Thank you, caller. Yes, thank you. We also got this really sweet email from um, Kate's cousin, Lauren, uh, who also suffered an ectopic pregnancy. Um, so I just wanted to read some of what she said. <clears throat> she says... I actually had the same frustrations halfway through my treatment about not being able to speak with a doctor, especially about why I wasn't allowed to be active or drink. They took away my coping mechanism. I feel that so much. A 22-year-old nurse shot me in the butt wearing a full hazmat suit so that poison didn't affect her fertility. And every time I would ask her a question, she'd leave the room, ask someone, and come back with an answer. In, like, more hazmat suits. (laughs) Like a shield. (laughs) Through a a one-way mirror. Yeah. Um, She says, anyway, I had wine anyway, just like you. No regrets. More than two months after my treatment ended, it left a really bad taste in my mouth, so I made an appointment to give my OBGYN practice feedback. It turned out they, the practice, only deal with about four ectopics per year, which is why they were so bad about communicating with sympathy and empathy. I met with one of the practice partners and gave her a printout with some ideas I had on what they could do better so that others going through ectopics would have better experiences. It was actually well-received, and even if it wasn't noted, it made me feel better. I think that's, like, so badass. Like Lauren, that's so cool. Yeah. Um, she also has this to say she's she wrote I sort of figured the gender of the ectopic was female I guess as a kid I tried to kill my mother too so I named her Philopa Fippa for short (laughs) and spent the next couple months wondering if my fallopian tubes were warped like they'd been put in a microwave anyway if you ever find yourself feeling like you're working with damaged gear it helps to keep in mind how amazing it is that they can save the fallopian tube without surgery since the use of methotrexate for this is relatively new I went on to have a healthy pregnancy and birth but not much 
uh, but not without dealing with a lot of feelings. Just so many feelings. Thank you for sharing that. It was like, it was really comforting to me because that was really soon after. Because I think that we got that even before that episode came out, maybe. No, I don't know. Because she knew about your doctor stuff. That's right. Yeah. Anywho, it was very comforting. Yeah. Thanks, Lauren. Thanks, Lauren. Next one. Here comes the next call. Unprompted. It's like a grab bag. Segway. Wow, I have so much to say. Um, My name is Karen. Um, I am a medium-time listener, first-time caller. Um, I was calling to tell you the story about a couple stories, two weird boyfriend stories. So I don't know if you guys have ever had boyfriends who – who think weird things about periods. But um, so my first boyfriend thought that all women got their periods at the same time every month and that we were actually just werewolves. Um, And he was 19, so no excuses there. Um, And then my current fiance's dog um, on our first weekend of me staying at his house um, chewed one of my tampons and left it all over the bathroom floor um, because I think she just wants to be a woman um, <laughs> so I don't know if you guys have ever had tampon eater dogs, but it's pretty gross. Um, but anyway, I love you guys. You should definitely also think about having a section of the podcast called labius corpus about period law. I don't know. It was just an idea. Anyway, love the show. Love you guys. Thanks. Thank you. Thank Thank you. you. Labius corpus. Labius corpus. The most brilliant thing I've ever heard. Love that. That could just be a whole podcast. I mean, Oh, my God. We can have a segment. We can have like a dunk, dunk. You know, gavel. Oh, my God. The SVU. Dunk, dunk. Oh, my God. I love that. I have had dogs that have eaten many tampons. It's very shameful. You'll come back from a night out on the town with your family of five, (laughs) uh, four of whom are women, and just see just see carnage. (laughs) Carnage in the kitchen. Carnage in the living room. Just everywhere. Oh, it's and it, awful. It took us far too long to be like, maybe we need trash cans with a top. Lids. Oh, no. <laughs> like, why well, did it take us so long? And uh, for me, it never was the dogs in my house. Like, and I think we most of our garbage cans did have lids, but um, that was never a problem. So I would never think about it elsewhere. Mm. And it was always other people's dogs. And then it was also always the father who found it. Oh, no. And was like, oh, there's a mess in the bathroom. And you're just <laughs> oh, like, no. I want to die. Oh, oh man. No. So I don't think I've ever told this story on the pod because I've been trying to save it because it has to do with uh, a a period party that was thrown for me. Oh, um, yes. We will be doing that soon. Yeah. At some point. At some point. But I can't find the photo evidence of it. So I don't know. Anyway, so basically. <laughs> like, was it all a dream? Was it all a dream? <laughs> um, there was a period party thrown for me in middle school because my period was gone for a while. And then when it came back, my friends like we threw me a party because it was so we were so, so silly. It was eighth grade. We were whatever. So it was a surprise party. I get down to my friend Jesse's basement and they've they've made a cake. There are streamers. It was just because we were so Aww. weird. 14 year old. It's so sweet though. So we're all like, yay, this is so fun. And we have pictures with light days and pictures with pads. And like there's tampons as candles in the cake that we don't haven't lit, but so they're like funny. sticking out. Cool, cool, cool. We go upstairs. We're like, you know, drinking Fresca or whatever we would drink at that time. Nice, cool. Uh, cool turn cool. on turn on MTV. And then we go back downstairs and Jesse's dog, Abby, had eaten the whole 
cake. No, the no, whole cake, no, no, including no. the tampon <laughs> candles. Because they were like, oh, oh, where are the tampons? <laughs> Her fat yellow lab had oh. eaten the whole cake. Oh, oh my God. And oh, she didn't feel good. She did not feel good. Like a girl. <laughs> um, this reminds me of a story that Kate's mom recently shared with us. I guess you can ask her if she's okay with us sharing this. But Kate's mom told us over drinks that her friends used to light tampons whenever they thought one of them was pregnant. Like Sage. <laughs> like Sage. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, mom, you have to call in with that story. Oh. It's so to, like, good. To like cle- ward off the spirits. To like hope that they weren't pregnant. Yes. yes. Oh, amazing. Yes. Amazing. And then my mom has a great story I should ever call in. She had a friend that they called like two tampon Terry because I think she accidentally like have found two tampons in her. You fucking- do it once. One time. <laughs> mom. <laughs> just tampon Terry. Call, call, in. call in everyone who's a mom. Yes. Um, but did you guys ever have boyfriends that didn't understand periods or anything? I've had a couple with Carl that I feel like I've told on the pod, but I think recently he had the same thing where he thought my period always came on the first of the month because oh. it did for a while. Uh-huh. So I think he thought that that's, that's just how Kate's body is. It's the first of the month. And it's payday. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I was like, no, it's so you not exactly, you know, it's it changes all the time. Yeah. But like it just ha- so happens that we're in a cycle of like where it's the beginning of the month. That's funny. For the couple months. But yeah. He was like, no, I knew that. I knew that. I'm like, but did you though? Did you? Did, did you? you? Trying to remember. I don't think I can't remember any boys who. But honestly, I d- it just goes to show how little I talked about it. And like mm. with Kev, uh, we didn't talk about it all that much until like a couple years into our relationship. And then I was just like, this is what's going on with me right now. But it, even still, he wouldn't like say anything. He'd just be like, oh, I'm sorry. Like, you know, <laughs> just be sympathetic. He knew that much. That's so I'm good. like, I wonder I should give him a quiz. Yeah. What is ovulation? <laughs> I mean, I think we've all uh, come to terms with the fact that like we didn't even know that much. So yeah. I, I yeah. definitely yeah. wouldn't have been able to school my boyfriend. It's true. So on, on, right. this, on yeah. these yeah. topics. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Shall I play the next call? Next call, please. Let's do it. Hey, this is Cycle Ladies. I'm calling from my doctor's office. And you can tell because that over paper that they have you wear and sit on and then just say, okay, well, I'm going to leave you put on your clothes and throw away this paper. And then you know what? There's not a Kleenex box in the room. And they put all that stuff up there, and they don't even have a Kleenex box so that I can, you know, delicately clean myself up except scrape it all out with paper. These visits are a little upsetting. So here's what I want to know. Do other women, after their annuals, go back into the office? Because right now it's like, what, 9.30 in the morning. Do I go into the office and have that weird thing like, hmm, I just had sex, (laughs) except it's the gross kind, or do I go home? I'm blessed enough to have a job that lets me go and work from home. That's what I'm doing. But I want to know, do other women go home? Thanks for listening. I'm so happy I have a place to vent like this. Love you all so much. Bye. Um, Good question. Great question. Mm. Great question. And I usually go to the office and regret it because I know exactly what you mean. They they use way too much of that like medical grade lube, uh, at least for me. And then it's just like it's just coming out all day for me. Ugh. And it's gross. 
Yeah, I think I tend to make my appointments for the afternoon, so I leave work early, if anything. Smart. And then I just have the rest of the day to... Smart. That is smart. But you tell us. But I love <laughs> I love hear, thinking of that caller in the doctor's office calling, like, the doctor has closed the door. Like, <laughs> yeah. we're done here. Thank you. Yeah. And then she's like, I gotta call Vicious Cycle. <laughs> yeah. Listen to my gown. <laughs> um, also, it's not even a gown anymore, right? It's just the paper over the lap and then the little vest, the paper vest. Yeah. Ugh. <laughs> I just... Ugh. Yeah, it's just... Yeah, it's just a bl- paper blanket. Paper blanket. Yeah. Hey, Vicious Cycle ladies. Uh, all right. I've been recuperating at home since my annual exam this morning. And I just wanted to call with one last closing thought, which is, which is more awkward? Small talk with your dentist mid-exam or small talk with your OBGYN mid-exam? Another great question, caller. Got it. Dentist. It's so... Dentist. 100% dentist. That's more awkward because Mm. when you're at a gyno, it's about... I don't know. I've had a great gynecologist in the past. So it's like, mm-hmm. how is everything going? Are you concerned? Mm-hmm. What's going on? And I feel like when they talk to me in a moment of trying to distract me, it's really comforting. Right. Mm-hmm. And, right. It's, and it feels like it's coming from a place of love. Like, OK, this mm-hmm. might hurt. You're going to cough. But hey, what's your favorite TV show? You know, and then you mm-hmm. cough and you're thinking and it's like, thank you, Dr. Miller. Um Aww. But the dentist with us, like what? The dentist is just, just like random so random and they're always yeah. usually young men mm. in my experience anyway. Mm. And they're kind of weird. And like, I've never had a good banter with a dentist. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Has mm. anyone here? My dentist is silent and I love it. Yeah. And now I just listen to podcasts whenever That's I go in. That's so smart. Sounds it's great. great. I, wish, great. I should ask to do that. Yeah. Because I should. always think, well, I'm leaned back. Why don't you just have like Netflix going with subtitles yeah. on yeah. on the ceiling? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I know. They do that for kids. Yeah. Yeah. I My should do that. My friend got a root canal. Apparently got to wear goggles with a... <gasps> Evan had to Go- like like goggles with TV. Yeah, on with it? the TV. Yeah. Whoa. What? I know. I'm like that's brilliant. I'm but then do the that. last time I went in for the dentist, I had to get a, a filling, and um and I didn't have a locked and loaded podcast. And I was like, oh, what am I going to listen to? So I listened to Hamilton, and then I was like, well, I'm rolling the dice because already when I get a shot of Novocaine, I just naturally like have a single tear, <laughs> and every time the dentist is like. Are you okay? And I'm like, it's just, it's the thing. I'm not sad. It's yeah. fine. And then every time you listen to my shot, you get a single tear. 100%. Yeah. So, <laughs> so you listen to my shot while getting a Novocaine, a Novocaine shot. shot? Not throwing away my teeth. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> um, I really like my current dentist. She asked, she asked random questions. Mm-hmm. One time when I was uh, getting my braces checked, a male dentist said that I had a strong tongue. Which is an awkward thing to say. So uncomfortable. So uncomfortable. I think he was like new and in training. And so that's what he came up with as a topic of discussion. (laughs) (laughs) That at 15, I had a strong tongue. Uh, So awkward. All right. Should we go to the next phone call? Wow. But I appreciate the the would you rather questions coming from that caller. (laughs) Hi, Vicious Cycle. This is Caitlin from Oakland. I just wanted to call and give you an update that I have now gotten my period again after many, many months of irregular experience and wondering what was going on. And I'm trying to figure out if the correlation has anything to do with just like feeling like a, like I'm living a normal, regular life, but I was so excited to um, have it like a, like normal. And then so immediately dissatisfied with having it because of what it came with, which is maintenance and pain and 
wasn't alone going through all of it. Um, and it felt great. So thank you for maybe even mentally, um, like inciting this cycle to start up again. I have no idea where it came from, but I'm just going to credit this podcast with, with that success. So thank you and good night. You're welcome. Yep. Yeah. You're wow. welcome. We single-handedly brought her we period back. We did that. If anyone needs period summoning, you can call our hotline. Same same number for period summoning or <laughs> period stories, and we will get to work. Yeah, yeah, we'll make it happen. Yeah, <laughs> we can give you some of Meg's periods, Meg Trober's. Yeah, periods. I would like that very much. Great. There's a it's a donate a period program <laughs> we have. <laughs> like, they just stop calling. Like I don't want any of that. <laughs> uh, um, last call. Last call. Last call. Last call. Hey, it's Robbie from the Twin Cities again. Um, I wanted to share a bleeder story. Um, that I have, I know you all share your bleeder stories with us on the regular and, um, I really appreciate the vulnerability and I'm learning so much. Um, and I wanted to share that I have actually had my own little story granted. Um, I don't have a cycle and I don't, um, bleed, but, um, I have had some bloody situations uh, from the rectal area. Sorry if this is TMI, but here's my story. So um, one day that I was actually having some of these situations, I went to a theater uh, rehearsal, and I was wearing these um, light khaki shorts. And uh, during the rehearsal, one of the other castmates said very loudly um, in front of everybody, Robbie, are you bleeding from your butt? Um, now, granted, I, I, I mean, I kind of freaked out. I was... I, I mean, yes, I am, but that's not what I'm going to say to you because I'm freaking out. And I'm embarrassed. So I went to the bathroom, checked the mirror. Sure enough, I had a little red dot. And um, I just uh, said, oh, yeah, you know, um, I was drinking some red Kool-Aid earlier today. And uh, it must have just a little bit must have dripped onto the chair I was sitting on when I stood up. And it must have just, you know, pulled into this perfect little dot so that when I sat back down, it just got on my shorts. Holy crap. I mean, everyone must have, you know, realized I was lying because, you know, I didn't say it as eloquently as that, but it was very similar. And that was my excuse that I made up. Uh, but yeah, anyways, needless to say, if you're wondering, if you're concerned, I don't have those uh, those bloody situations anymore. Um, but anyways, blood is natural. Yay. Yay, blood. <laughs> yay, 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 blood. Blood. yay, blood. Next season's tagline. I was yeah. just going <laughs> to say that. Keep calm and yay, yay blood. blood. <laughs> Glad that you're not bleeding out of your butt anymore. Yeah. yeah. <sighs> also, I just, I mean, that is a true, like, he really did get to live that true experience for when, because I, I leaked once through my clothes and my uncle saw it <gasps> and he was like, uh, I think you sat in something. No. no. And then I, I remember I came up with just as lame of an excuse. Yeah. I was like, oh yeah, it, I, I, I think it was pop. I think it was pep. Pepsi or Dr. Pepper. Like I was, I'd start getting too specific. (laughs) Yeah. I I was drinking a cherry Coke yesterday. (laughs) I remember. From the bottle. Yeah. I I found change and went to the store. It was 11. Paid in change. (laughs) Had extra. So I I bought a lotto ticket. There's no paper trail. (laughs) Um, yeah, also, Kool-Aid to me seems like a really bad... Right. Because Kool-Aid is light-colored. Yes, it's light yeah, liquidy. You should right. have said, like, ketchup or, right. like, 
I was drinking ketchup earlier. Oh, I sat because I feel like that's. <laughs> I sat in a ketchup packet at a McDonald's and it exploded. But but only a tiny bit. But a tiny bit. <laughs> right in my not anus. The hole. It exploded, but luckily not too much, oh. but just enough. Oh, man. <laughs> it's amazing. Man, shame is universal. Yeah. God bless. God bless. Yeah, God bless. Yay, blood. Happy birthday. <laughs> Yay, blood. Uh, those are our calls thank you callers yes thank you all so much <laughs> call in with your read my labias your why i cried your your labias corpus labias labias yes. corpus is if yeah. you have a bleeding story that doesn't have to do about with a uterus just call our your butt your nose your e-hole your <laughs> t-hole your <laughs> get out listeners thank you so much for listening to our episode on phone calls and nadia okamoto it was such a fun episode and we hope you enjoyed it do not miss next week's episode we are doing an episode on amenorrhea which is the absence of menstruation what yeah it's a thing and it's a thing had by our dear friend michelle konstantinovsky who's going to join us next week she's a bay area health writer journalist amazing woman about town she's awesome and she's going to tell us everything about amenorrhea and you know what she's like an actual health expert so this is like really exciting she like knows things in the meantime call our hotline 9106 uterus tell all your friends about us we just have a couple episodes left of this season and we want to end on a big note we love you all so much and don't forget keep calm and yay blood blood. Our theme song was performed by The Go Ahead. Check out more at thegoaheadmusic.com.